I'm Banning Air, and you're listening to Season 4 of the Afropop Close-Up Podcast, where we go beyond the music into politics, religion, history, and culture. Today, we're headed to Malawi via New York City. At the 2019 Tribeca Film Festival, a documentary called Lazarus debuted. It tells the story of an albino street musician who's now emerging as a potent advocate for a highly vulnerable population that gets too little media attention, African albinos. I'll be your host for Lazarus, Messenger of Hope. Lazarus Chigundari was born in 1980 in a large village, Nankumba, about 80 kilometers from the Malawian capital, Lilongwe. He and his brother were the only albinos in town, and from day one, life was a struggle. When we met in New York, Lazarus spoke in Chichewa, and his friend Clem translated. Him growing up, it was tough. He faced a lot of stigma. Both of his parents were so poor. They were not educated. They used to do some farm work for other people so that they could provide for the kids to eat. They had to work all the day in the sun, and his mom uh, used to take him along. So he had a lot of blisters all over his skin because of the harsh sunlight he was exposed to. Lazarus was mocked, and even his parents were shunned in the village because of his albinism. When he was a teenager, his friends used to stone him when he was coming to play with him, like chase him away. Some even say he was a ghost, he was not a human being. At school, Lazarus's teachers did not defend him, and eventually he dropped out. He was close to his young brother Petro, and when Petro was 10 and Lazarus 15, their friendship took a new turn. It was the young brother who had the musical talent and he taught Lazarus how to play musical instruments, the guitar, and they used that to express themselves like how they feel. Him and his young brother, they used to like beat on the drums and people around their village used to love that. They used to come and dance. Lazarus and Petro made their own instruments. Plastic jugs became drums, cooking pot, goat skin, a stick of wood, and bicycle brake cable became a kind of banjo. These are things young musicians in rural Africa have long done, but for Lazarus and Petro, it was literally a way to validate their existence. They wanted the people who were mocking them or thinking they are not human beings to see that even people with albinism can make people laugh, can dance, can make people happy. There was literally no other way to survive. No one from the village chief down would employ these albino boys. So, inspired by a local police band, they persevered and honed their skills as a duo. 
One day there was a funeral of one of the Gulewang, who is uh, a traditional dance. So one of the dancers died. Lazarus and his brother also danced with this group, so they attended the funeral ceremony. During the night, they were sitting around uh, with friends, and one guy just struck his young brother with a stone on his neck. And uh, the guy who did that said that he didn't like the fact that albinos were part of the guri, so he struck the young brother to tell them to get away from the ceremony they were doing. The wound spread and became cancerous. They took the boy to Blantyre to seek treatment, but it was too late. Since his parents were so poor, they could not afford the treatment that his brother was supposed to have. And uh, they just accept the fact and he passed away. But a few days before he passed away, he told Lazarus to keep on continuing playing music for him. Petrol was just 20 when he died. And from that point on, when Lazarus performed, he sat on a resonant wooden box. And while strumming his homemade banjo and singing, he thumped his right heel on the box with jangling bells strapped around his ankle, creating the sense of a rhythm section. As Clem observed, he was praying for his brother and for him. So after his brother passed away, Lazarus was so sad. At one point, he contemplated committing suicide. He stood in front of a highway so that a car can just hit him and so he can die like his young brother too. Lazarus's mother was a source of strength, but soon he found it too painful to remain in the village. He moved to the capital, Lalangwe, and began busking on the street. He played his own songs, some of them composed on the spot, and he did no covers, but he did have some role models. He loved South African music, especially the late reggae singer Lucky Dube, and also a Malawian artist called Saleta Piri. city, people were more used to albinos, and they more or less perceived Lazarus as an ordinary street musician, but one with unusual talent and spirit. And at this point, Lazarus's life takes a storybook turn. One day he went to draw water from the borehole, and he saw the most beautiful woman he has ever seen in his entire life. Then he immediately just started talking to her, but she, she didn't respond well, she just ran away. Her name was Gertrude, and Lazarus began visiting her home, even though her relatives chased him away every time. They warned Gertrude that she would end up with albino children if she married Lazarus, and that was not okay with them. Meanwhile, Lazarus prayed every night that he could win her heart, and he kept going back. He still kept on going to her place for one week, and she was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll accept you, you can be my boyfriend. 
And uh, that day, when he went back to his place, he was so happy that he didn't even eat. Even when his mom offered him food, he was like, no, I'm not eating today. This is the most happiest day of my life. But the challenges for Lazarus and Gertrude were just beginning. Gertrude's family initially rejected her. The couple had each other, but they remained in a hostile world. In fact, a dangerous one. I'm David Darg, and I'm the director of Lazarus, a documentary film about Lazarus. David Darg and his co-producer Bryn Mooser have made a number of films in Africa, and they were looking for a way to tell the story of albinism and the violence albinos face, something that David calls a modern-day genocide. The UN says that persons with albinism in Malawi could face total extinction if nothing's done. Genocide? Total extinction? I had to ask, what is driving all this? There's an ancient belief that's still carried on that persons with albinism possess magical powers. And so the dark reality is that human body parts are consumed by other humans. And the belief is that you get rich quick. If you need wealth or you need power, you go to a witch doctor. And not all witch doctors are implicit in this, but there are some that still continue this practice of prescribing human body parts as a get-rich-quick scheme. There's a lot of darkness. There is human poaching going on at an unprecedented scale in 2019. And even during the production of the film, there were persons abducted. I personally went to witness a police investigation into an attempted abduction. She fortunately survived, but we could see the scars on her arm where they tried to hack her arm off with a machete. You see in the film um, young children who lost twins to abductions. And so this is a very real crisis that very few people know about. Lazarus' sense of vulnerability became all the more acute after his wife gave birth to three albino children. When his kids were born, he was happy because they looked like him. But he was sad too because he knew that they were going to go through the same thing that him and his brother went through in their society. He always knows that his kids are in danger. A cell phone video of Lazarus busking on the street in Lilongwe made its way to England and to the eyes and ears of someone who could help. My name is Johan Hugo. I'm a music producer from Sweden who live in a little town outside of London in the UK. I have a band called The Very Best and uh, I write and produce music with a lot of different people from a lot of different parts of the world. Johan has produced two recent albums for Senegal's Baba Mal, and he took part in a collaboration between Mumford & Sons, Baba Mal, and Johan's group The Very Best, which he leads with Malawian singer Esam Mwamwaya. The very best is uh, one of these really fun projects that uh, we pick out the bag every three or four years because it takes up a lot of time, makes very little money, but it's just our fun thing to do. But then the Lazarus record was a very collaborative effort between me, Lazarus and Essa ultimately as well, because he was there through the whole process. He sings all the backing singing on Lazarus record. I mean, he's the master harmonizer. 
After Johann saw that clip of Lazarus busking, he contacted David Darg, and soon Johann, David, and Esau met up in Malawi in search of Lazarus. Only problem, as soon as Lazarus heard about their arrival, he went into hiding. He was scared because in Malawi, people with albinism are kidnapped, and he thought that Esau wanted to kidnap him and sell his body parts to Johann and David. This was no idle fear on Lazarus's part. Strangers offering fame and fortune are not to be trusted in his world. This has happened to him before. He was promised a big gig in Tanzania, and it actually resulted in an abduction. He was taken to a compound and was fortunate to have been able to flee for his life. A maid tipped him off. She overheard a conversation where they were actually talking about the sale of Lazarus to people in Mozambique. And she ran out to the car and said, run for your life. This is not going to end well for you. And so he escaped that attempt. It took patience and some diplomacy before Johann, David, and Esau were able to earn Lazarus's trust. But they did, and then the question became a practical one. How best to record him? You know, I kept coming back to that first clip that I saw of Lazarus, where he's busking, and, you know, he's got a kick drum, he's got his little shakers, he's got his banjo, and he's got his voice, there's four instruments. He's, he's, he's a band, essentially. I wanted to stay really true to what Lazarus was as a performer and an artist. You know, he's been busking for 10, 15 years or something, so he's basically always performed in front of people. So I thought, let's take it to and put it outside of Lazarus' house, and, you know, you know there will be a crowd gathering. And then we added a choir on a few things and some backing singing by Essa, and we added bass on a couple of tracks because it just felt like a few songs could do with that extra little bit of heaviness. But I just wanted to keep it as true to Lazarus, to who he was as possible. The album is called Stomp the Devil. Some tracks are already available on Spotify, and the full album drops in September 2019. Lazarus told me his favorite song on the album is Moyo Wanga, My Life, which basically tells his story of growing up with albinism in forthright terms. Moyo Wanga. Lazarus sings about his struggles and also his devout Christian faith. He writes gospel songs to spread the good word, and he comments on social life, like this number about a woman he remembers from his natal village who was known for her constant gossiping and complaining. If she's angry, she will talk the whole day, and the whole village will know that this woman is talking. Nobody will talk back. So that's how he came up with the concept of writing this song called Ngazwolongolo.
Maybe the heaviest subject Lazarus addresses on this album is what he calls black magic. Uh, Long time ago, there was this guy in his village who was into practicing black magic. One night when he was practicing black magic, something happened. He, he had a bad spell, so he fell down from practicing black magic and people found him in the morning. And people in his village used to believe that this guy was the guy who was killing uh, all the kids in the village. As a Christian, Lazarus has his reasons to be wary of traditional African religious practices. I asked him if there was a tension between those practitioners and Christians like him. He has a strong belief that if you want to express yourself, don't be afraid. So since he's a Christian, he knows it's a taboo to talk about people practicing witchcraft or black magic. But he knows that these are the same people who are targeting people like him. So he did that to express himself and also like spread the message that this is wrong. You people are doing us wrong. So he says he's gonna continue doing that, even though it's a taboo for a Christian to talk about black magic. He prefers singing instead of like going to them and telling them that you're doing wrong because you know that they can beat him up. So with the song, everybody will listen to it and he's safe. Johan and David have long been aware of these attacks on albinos in East Africa. I think Tanzania has been the worst affected country as a whole, and it seems that a lot of the body parts from Malawi end up in Tanzania. It's increased a lot in Malawi in the last year. A couple of controversial ideas around it, but I mean, first of all, there's an election in Malawi in a few weeks, and the body parts are believed to win elections, and this, you've seen a clear up in the attacks leading up to the election. And it's a pretty common understanding that there are very high-ranking people involved. Poverty and the desire to escape it also contribute to the problem, driving people to desperate measures. As for Lazarus, he's moving into fast waters now. The film and album project earned him a lot of press in Malawi. And when Madonna, who spends time there every year, got word of the project, it piqued her curiosity. Madonna has been coming and going to Malawi for many years. She has adopted her kids from there. She's uh, done incredible charity work out there, or philanthropy work, opening uh, schools, building hospitals, raising an incredible amount of money for amazing projects. She's very well respected in Malawi, which I think is missed by the Western media a lot of times. So when we were out there making this record, a friend who works with Madonna saw that we were there and asked if she could meet Lazarus and that led to Lazarus being invited to play at the opening one of her new schools and Madonna fell in love with Laz and they got along really well and ended up hanging out for the whole week with Lazarus kids and you know so that grew into friendship between them which then led on to Madonna becoming executive producer on the film. She's been extremely helpful and generous with us in the background. We're very appreciative of her and what she's done. 
for Lazarus. Lazarus is a charming person. He named his third child after Johan, the guy he once thought wanted to buy him for parts. And after our interview, he was happy to have a little jam with yours truly. While in New York, Lazarus performed at the UN and met with celebrities. With his success, he now dreams of starting a non-profit aimed at helping albinos in villages like his. First goal is a simple one, to provide skin lotion to albinos free of charge so they won't suffer in the sun as he and his brother did. Down the road, Lazarus envisions a boarding school for albinos where they can be educated free from harassment. He wants to make common cause with Salif Keita, Africa's most prominent musical activist for albinos. And after meeting Lazarus, seeing this film and hearing his music and story, all this seems possible. We're just surprised that this crisis is underreported, and we've talked to so many people that say they had no idea that this is going on. You would think that the constant disappearance of a people group would be more reported than it is, and it's just not. So we're hoping that this film and this project, that the album, that Lazarus's story combined really helped to raise awareness in the West and in turn helped to start a grassroots movement to put pressure on the United Nations and governments to do more to respond to this crisis. It's very rare, I think, that you come across a problem in the world that has the potential to be solved almost through one person. You know, it's like he could be a huge vehicle in the playful people with albinism in the whole of Africa. At the same time, Johan fears that Lazarus's growing fame may actually put him in greater danger. The word on the ground in Malawi is that the people that do these kidnappings and killings is very organized crime syndicates who make a lot of money from this. In my mind, he's in a very dangerous situation that we need to get him out of. At the Tribeca Film Festival, Lazarus performed at a party for David and Bryn's production company, The Riot Film Club, and he rocked. At one point, Trevor Nielsen, who oversees Madonna's philanthropic work, announced a Kickstarter campaign aimed at building a secure house for Lazarus, where he and his family can truly be safe. In mere minutes, pledges totaling over $14,000 were shouted out from the floor. That's testimony to Lazarus's charisma and his power as a performer. And if that's not enough, Lazarus even inspired the sophisticated downtown New York crowd into full Christian revival mode. Up, up, Jesus! Up, up, Jesus! Down, down, devil! Down, down, devil! Up, up, Jesus! Up, up, Jesus! Down, down, devil! Down, down, devil! Up, up, Jesus! Up, up, Jesus! Down, down, devil! Down, down, devil! 
This Afropop close-up was made possible by a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. But to keep this series going, we need your support. Visit afropop.org to make a donation. Every dollar counts. For Afropop Worldwide, I'm Banning Air. Thank <laughs> you.